Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey everyone, if you have ever considered becoming a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, enrollment opens soon. So whether you are a coach, you are a practitioner, or you are an athlete who wants to become who you needed during pregnancy, postpartum, or you just really want to learn more about this or the season that you're currently in, this is the certification program for you. It is totally online and self-paced, which means you get ongoing access to the curriculum. I would love to have you join the team of international coaches that are truly changing the game for women in their communities, whether it's online or just their local community. They are making a big difference and I would love to have you join that effort. So you can get on the wait list, which is at www.briannabattles.com slash waitlist. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today I'm here with Christy Vaccaro and she is going to be sharing her process as a coach and entrepreneur. She's a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach who has built an incredibly successful local and online business in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. Christy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So give us a little bit of background, who you are, where'd you come from? (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't always been a Las Vegas girl. I actually was born and raised in a small town in Illinois. And then I moved to Bloomington Normal. I went to Illinois State University for dance and health education, ended up dropping out three years in to pursue fitness. And I started out like many as a personal trainer and slowly, you know, built my personal training business up. I did open up a brick and mortar at the age of, I think, 22. Uh, with the guy that I was dating at the time, he had a lot more personal training experience than me. We opened up a gym um, and absolutely loved that aspect. But unfortunately, our relationship was not a healthy one. And I kind of got to this fork in the road where I was like, do I stay because I love my business, my love my clients, or do I leave and pursue you know, the next best thing for me? And so I did end up leaving. I packed up everything that I could fit in my two-door Jeep Wrangler with no back seats in it and my dog. And I drove out to Las Vegas by myself, didn't know anyone. And everyone's like, well, why did you pick Vegas? And I was like, well, because of the weather. Like I grew up in the Midwest and I wanted sun and I knew I could afford Vegas at the time. So I moved to Vegas and connected with a few just fitness people online. And I found a gym to start training at. So I started, um, Well, I didn't have any clients. So a tip for you is if you don't have clients yet, offer something that you can do for the space that you want to work in. So I offered my time because I couldn't afford anything else, but I had a lot of time. So I offered my time to work the front desk and check people in at this gym, which in doing that, I made a lot of connections and I was new to town. People were like, who are you? And I could say, oh, you know, I'm a personal trainer. And you just start having those conversations. Um, and so one by one, I slowly started building up my personal training community in Vegas while still maintaining relationships with my Illinois connections. And I think that's another really important piece in this process is maintaining relationships in a place that you may transition from. Yeah. So um, I started building up the, the personal training clients in Vegas, 
um, started doing a little bit of online coaching through like emails and Google Sheets and like I call it like the backwoods stuff, but it's how we started the OG out. days of like online personal training, man. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, email correspondence, Google Sheets, all the things there. Um, and so I was kind of just dabbling. I would go to um, you know tanning salons, coffee shops. And just try and meet people, like wear fitness attire, look the part and look friendly and strike up conversations, like look approachable, have some content, you know, cards and things on you. And so you have something tangible to present to people that you meet. But that was kind of the the start of it and just built my personal training up over that. Yeah, that's amazing. So how long ago was that? So that was eight years ago that I moved to Vegas and started building up the, the personal training. And, you know, like many during COVID, the personal training industry kind of got shut down. And that was the first time I had this panic of as much as I called myself an entrepreneur and thought I was in charge of my business, I'm actually not because now I can't show up to work. And I had this panic of, okay, now what? I can't train my clients. Uh, Half my clients left because they were, you know, freaked out. And I had about a 12 hour panic span before I got my shit together and was like, all right, let's go. You know what to do. You literally moved across the country with nothing. You built up this successful personal training business in Illinois. And then again, in Vegas, you can do something with this. And so that April of 2020 was when the online side of my business was born. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you become a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach? Where did that fit into this timeline of of building up clientele in Vegas and then obviously creating a family yourself? Yeah. So in, let's see, I had my first son in 2017, January of 2017. And like many women, um, many fitness women thought like, I just knew what to do. Like I'm super fit. I'm pregnant. Then I had my baby and I'm just going to jump back into the gym. And I ignored a lot of stuff that was going on with my body. And I felt a lot of external pressures that was very upsetting to me, but I also overlooked it because I enjoyed like as much as I enjoyed the like raw, raw and support postpartum and like, oh, wow, you just had a baby. Like, you don't even look like it. Like, that's such a ooh, thing to say. But when you hear it in the moment, yeah, it, feels it feels good. good. Yeah. But it just like threw gasoline on this fire that allowed me to overlook my symptoms. Um, and so I knew that I didn't do things correctly. And so my second pregnancy had the opportunity to do things differently which is when I sought out your, you know, certification. And I was like, you know what, I'm pregnant, I already know I'm going to go a little bit slower this round. And I studied all the materials. So then postpartum, the second time I could use myself as my first student. So that was, um, let's see, I had Colton in 2018. So I got educated through, you know, the 2018, and then was certified by the time I had him. And so I was able to literally just do things completely different on my own body and then share that process with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, Oh gee, man, we went through that early on in uh, that creation process, but it's been awesome to see you work through your own second pregnancy and postpartum experience, resolve a lot of your symptoms, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then what have you done with the team that you now have working for you. Yeah. So, you know, being able to provide this knowledge to women, whether it be in person, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, even in the the Starbucks line, you'll hear two women talking about peeing when they're jumping or sneezing at, at their fitness class or jumping on the trampoline at their kid's birthday party and leaking. And like, you hear all these conversations. And so being able to open up and say, Hey, you know, I don't know if you know this, but there are strategies that can help with that resources now, like, let me help you. And, um, just getting out in front of people and sharing that information, um, has been really huge connecting with 
different physical therapists in town, and then finding other women that are passionate about this same thing. I'm fortunate to have three coaches on my team who are all certified and pregnant and postpartum coaching. And so now we have this powerhouse team where we all have, you know, children ranging from nine months old to seven years old, and we're freaking relatable. Like we've been there, we've done that, and we have the education to help other women. And that is just so powerful. And each of us have our own like personality and draw to us. So when a woman comes into our coaching programs, I can take them in and say, whose personality are you going to best jive with? Because we all have the knowledge, but we all have a different way of delivering that knowledge. Right. Well, what I find really fascinating and special about your business is your business is not just focused on pregnancy and postpartum. That's actually a smaller component of your actual business. But because the pregnant and postpartum population is so heavily involved in the clientele that we work with, it has to be an expertise that we can touch on, that we can speak on, that we have context on as coaches, even if that's not our main focus. So tell me what the main focus is of your coaching. Yeah. So, and this is one thing that I've been working on niching down because I've recently come to terms with the fact that you can't be everything for everyone as much as I want a good job of it though <laughs> as much as I wanted to be for so long so now you know our niche is is I would say working with parents for the most part to find sustainable habits for a healthier lifestyle and we do that through macro coaching for the most part like there's some flexibility there but macro coaching, at home or in the gym workouts. We provide all your daily workouts, the macro coaching. um, And then we do a lot of mindset work too. So I I recently implemented a weekly Zoom teaching, which I absolutely love. And it's on, you know, anything from setting boundaries to, you know, your morning routine to whatever. We have this mindset call where everyone is providing feedback and we're kind of round table talking about different struggles that we face. Um, and, and that's just been really, really valuable, but we work with so many parents that are just, they feel like they're, you know, hired cab drivers, just running their kids all around. They don't prioritize anything in their own life. And so we just want to say, Hey, you can be either a single parent or married working at home, whatever, whatever your case is, there is a way to have a healthier routine. Let us help you figure out where we can tweak your habits and make it healthier for you. Absolutely. Tell me about how you have gotten over any kind of imposter syndrome when it comes to honestly evolving your work from personal training to then going into the online space to then the pregnancy and postpartum to now even, like you said, that mindset coaching, feeling like you are the person who can speak to that within your group of people, clients. The imposter syndrome is so real for us coaches. And I think, you know, just a lot of people in the online space. And I think what really helped me was realizing that nothing I was going to do was really going to reinvent the wheel. The thing that makes what I put out special is me. And there is no other me. And so as long as I show up and deliver as me, I'm not competing against anyone else. And so getting out of your own way, stop stepping on your own feet. Like if you have an idea, put it out there. It's okay. I used to do this with programming workouts too. And it's like, oh my gosh, well, I saw someone else program. It's like, most likely it's been programmed before. Like you're not coming up with any really crazy innovative stuff here. So show up as you and deliver it in your voice. And then also, if you're looking at different pages on social media that make you feel some type of way about yourself in a negative way, unfollow them. It, it doesn't make you a bad person to unfollow or just you know hide their notifications because there were a lot of pages where every time I'd see their post, I was like judging mine. Yeah. And feeling real like shitty about what I was putting out there. And I was like, you know what? 
I don't need to, I don't need this kind of negative energy in my life because had I not seen that, I would have just full sent this confidently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, we really, as much as we talk shit about social media, like it's on us to cultivate the kind of social media experience that we want, like we can create, we don't have to spend so much time consuming and then we can choose what we want to consume and who we want to consume from. Like there's a lot of freedom there if we try to take some kind of control and set those boundaries. I think it's a really good point. Yeah. But it's hard. <laughs> it, it is hard. And and I don't think that imposter syndrome ever like fully goes away. Like I think there's just that's just the nature of our being and that's okay. But being self-aware enough to catch it and to know when it's getting like negative versus just I don't know, lightly analyzing yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a definitely a time for reflection. And then again, just focusing like on, well, what am I actually putting out there? What is my, what makes me unique? Well, it's me and it's my voice and it's not trying to say what Christy said or what this other person said. It's just what I have to say about this. And I think we've seen so many different pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaches do just that. They can take the foundation of knowledge and then put it out into the world and their own offers and their own voice. And that's exactly what you're doing. Again, you're not just coaching pregnancy and postpartum exercise, but that happens to be a population of people that you're working with really consistently because technically postpartum is forever. We have to understand the different um, considerations that are, that women have throughout their lifetime of fitness. And I think you've done a really great job of seeing that, but then also like doing something with it, really implementing that. I will say it it was difficult my first couple like pregnant postpartum posts to put out. I was so nervous that I was like doing it right. And I was like, felt like how do I do this in my own way without like like showing up and and making it like represent you, right? Because it is a re- I went through your course, like it's a representation and reflection of your course. And I just wanted to make sure that I was doing it right. And once I got a couple out there, I started to like find, find my way. And I think like for other coaches that may be feeling this way, cause I talked to my coaches about this too, is like, tell your story. You can't go wrong there, right? Tell your story. And then how this helped and then some applicable strategies from there. You can't go wrong in telling your own story. Absolutely can't. And like what I want to see out there is this information and messaging and movements and resources and humans. Like we need that kind of teamwork that spans globally. Like I am one voice and one person. I need to see it out, get out there through your voice and her voice and everybody's efforts, which are all going to be so different. Like that is what that's the important thing to focus on when trying to get out of that comparison trap or the imposter syndrome, because we can create a lot of narratives about, well, is this the right thing to say? Did I say that? Is that good? Is that not good? You know, and it's tough. Yeah. Um, so what was the hardest part about getting started? Um, or I guess like the scaling part of like, not just getting started, but like pivoting and whether that was online or scaling your team, what's been the hardest transition period for you as an entrepreneur and coach? Uh, I think, well, there's a few different pieces, but one piece in particular and something that I see a lot of online and just, and just coaches in general. I mean, I was this way for a long time and that's procrastinating the systems. (laughs) And, and this is like uh, a lot of us coaches in the fitness space. Like we love like the hands on the sweaty, the weights. And then once you start talking about like the software, the systems, it's like, Ooh, I still have probably eight years of paper planners in my, you know, closet. I don't know why I've kept them, but it's nostalgic, but I would just use these paper planners for scheduling my personal training sessions. I was collecting a lot of cash, some Mm -hmm. checks, Venmo's, PayPal, like nothing like super legit. And while I thought that was like me being like savvy, it was really holding me back. Yeah. And, and so everything from using CRMs, which I didn't start like using a CRM and like software until let's see, it was 
it's been a year now. So last January, I finally got on the CR. Every I'd hear like CRM and all these things. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, I'll figure it out later. But like getting legit with everything from a bit, whether you have an LLC or you're, you know, sole proprietor, but doing things legit until you do that, you're not even going to scratch the surface of your capabilities. And it seems like, oh, but I'm going to be paying all these processing fees and this and that. It's like, trust me, you will make way more money when you start doing things legit. You have a website, have somewhere where people can enter their card information, have a CRM, use a digital calendar, like professional, like right. professional systems and software. Um, I procrastinated for way too long, but if you do not do those things, it will hold you back. Right. I talked about this in an interview with Shantae Cofield. Like it doesn't have to be all at once. It's like truly about like progressively overloading like what you're doing and how you're doing it. And that very much involves systems because you're right. It will hold you back. Like it's not, I think we get so hung up on the processing fees or like, oh God, I'm crossing over from like hobby or like side thing to making it like official. And like, what does that mean? But it's like, that leap actually will provide you so much more security and peace of mind than the winging it. Then, you know, just here's a, here's some cash or here's the check or whatever for your personal training. Or when you have to like ask people for money, I used to freaking hate that when I was like, Oh, you owe me for this month or whatever these sessions, because I didn't have any systems in place that would like auto bill that, or, you know, like it's just, but it's so hard taking that leap because I think that's it's a commitment to that next level of what you're doing and how you're doing it. And that can be really intimidating. Well, yeah. And especially when a lot of those systems obviously cost you money mm-hmm. and you're committing, like you're saying, okay, I'm going to make enough money for the payment of these systems to be worth it. And that's scary. But like you said, don't do it all at one time. Pick. Like, what's your first step going to be? All right. So maybe your first step is to legitimize your business and then a website with a payment processor. And then, and you just stack them up. And then all of a sudden you have this well-oiled machine running and you'll still run into, you know, payment issues and cards declining and things, but it's so less and you'll have systems for it. Absolutely. And I mean, it really is key, but it is, it can be a huge barrier financially and mentally to overcome as an entrepreneur. And I think, I don't know about you, but it's like fitness has never been very business minded. There's, we haven't, that's not part of any of our curriculum, whether it's in undergraduate work or our personal training certifications, no one has really taught us how to be business savvy or to implement entrepreneurial aspects of that into our work as coaches. It's always been about like, well, go work for this gym or go work for corporate wellness or in the PT space, but there hasn't been a whole lot of business guidance for anybody actually coaching and starting up as an entrepreneur. So I think we have to like zoom out and say, just because this is what my friend was doing or my colleague was doing and worked for them doesn't mean like that's the right path for me. Like we are legitimate business owners. We have to take ourselves seriously if we want our clients to take us seriously. Yeah. And, and also on that, being understanding that sales is a huge part of this business mm-hmm. and not like feeling weird about money. Like I felt really weird about money for a long time. That was one of the things that I overcame in 2020 was um, assessing like my money mindset and why it was such a weird thing for me to ask for money to uh, I, I was, my rates were much, much lower back then. And why I had to ask myself, like, why am I afraid to charge more for my time? And there's that like layer of self-worth and it's like an onion, right? Like so many layers to unpack. But I've, I experienced this with so many different coaches that I've talked to in the past is like, oh, I could never charge that. Or, you know, I just, I'll do a couple months of programming for them for free And I'm like, but why? Like, why don't you value what you've done in your continuing education and all this stuff? But like you said, a lot of coaches and fitness professionals are not in the space of business-minded sales, money. And so it's like, let me just give them a workout or write their macros for free. It's okay. And there's like this missing piece of value. Right. So tell me more about the money mindset. Like, what was your hangup there? And what did you do to 
work through a lot of that. Cause I think we both have that in common with, I didn't necessarily grow up with a lot or went through financial hardships and whatnot. So then that can show up really interesting as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I read a book. I listened to it on Audible called How to Be a Badass at Making Money. I think the author's Jen Sincero. And it was kind of like a corny book, but I really liked it. Like she, there's this quote um, and she said, money is a renewable resource. It comes, it goes, it ebbs, it flows. Mm-hmm. And so I kept that quote in my mind. And she talked about like putting, surrounding yourself with money, like literally putting like some money, it could be like dollars or twenties, like in a mason jar in your cabinet. So you see it in there, putting some money in your bank, putting some money up in your bedroom and start like surrounding yourself with money. And that kind of helped me remove this like scarcity mindset. And then she was like, look around your house. Like what, what do you not need? What could you sell if you really needed money? And so I started like selling stuff on offer up to then like pay for different things I needed in my business. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm surrounded with abundance. If I'm surrounded with abundance, everyone is surrounded with abundance. And like, I started like getting kind of woo woo with it, but it was so helpful. And then I looked at, okay, my childhood, what about my childhood has like planted this scarcity mindset? There have been men in my life um, over my lifetime that have made me feel like I owed them something. And like, there was just all this like, oh, I don't want to, you know, take money because then what if I don't deliver? And then they, I owe them. And it was just so many different things, but there's that big piece of scarcity. And then also I was holding on to this identity of like where I was from. And if I'm charging this amount, are they going to think like, who does she think she is? Like, you know, it, it was just, So many things, but I started to think about like what I provide, what the value is, how many years I've been doing this and how much money I've invested in making myself who I am. I'm like, damn, I am worth it. Like I have a lot up here and I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy And so there's this like kind of bit of self affirmations that has to happen in addition to understanding that we are literally surrounded by money. It just exchanges hands. Like one of my business coaches was talking about like the recent, like the fear of like the recession and everything. And he's like, the money isn't going anywhere. It's just exchanging hands. You just have to find those hands. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's, I mean, it's such a huge conversation to have, but I think it's hard because you know, especially like women, women really struggle to ask for what they're worth, to claim that, to be sometimes in business dominated environments where it's like, this is what my prices are. And like holding that and feeling like, like that, that price tag actually represents what you're putting out there. Cause I think it, I mean, a lot of people have been trained to kind of play small or well, I want to be nice, or I really want to get the client instead of just being able to put out there, like what, what they're charging and what they need to do. And I mean, gosh, I remember a phone call with you. It was forever ago. It was a really long time ago, but I was like, why are you driving all the way across town for one client at this? Like, it was like a really bad time of day too. And you're like, I just feel bad. Like it wasn't even about the money anymore. It was just about like, you felt guilty, even though you like knew that this, this, it was time to like, not be training that client anymore. But there was that, it was a a mindset piece, honestly, that was like, you were stuck on not wanting to give up that client because you felt guilty. Can you share a little bit about that? Because we get, we fall into the guilt traps all the time too. Yeah, I actually, it's so funny. I have the notes from that call right here. Like <laughs> I, I have them all like legit right here. I keep it at my desk. That was a um, long time ago. That was a really long time ago. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that client in particular, um, had made comments, like had always wanted to negotiate from the first time we ever, you know, started training together. He always wanted to like swindle my price down. And that just made me kind of feel icky, but out of a place of desperation, when I first brought him in, I needed clients. And I, I said, yes. And I negotiated, which now there is no negotiation, but you got to get your reps in. And this is just like, 
This is just like women in the grocery store, you know, pushing their shopping carts. I have this conversation with my mom all the time. My mom's pushing the shopping cart. She's like, oops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm like, mom, just push your cart. You're not sorry. (laughs) Push your cart. But so many women are in this place of like, I'm sorry. Excuse. It's like, there's nothing to be sorry about. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing with this negotiation of price. And I think we have to get our reps in of not negotiating and you may lose a client or two or prospect. That's okay. But I guarantee when you get off that call, you will feel proud of yourself for staking who you are and what your price is and not being willing to negotiate on that. And that person is probably going to respect you down the road and they may even come back and they may not. But it took me many, many different times of saying no. And, you know, I'm not sorry. This is what my price is. This is, you know, how I'm, how I do my business to then feel confident. And then you, you know, you don't have as many issues with that. I also learned from a sales coach that we kind of put our foot in our mouth often and silence is okay. So if you're on a sales call and they don't say anything, you don't have to fill the space with, I can take 10% off. Like maybe they're just thinking about which card they want to put the charge on. Right. So yeah, a lot of times if they're showing that interest, like they're already warm. It's just, it's a time thing a lot of the times, but what I, I don't know. I think there's, there's so much here. I wrote some notes down like scared money doesn't make money either. So you've talked a lot about like investing in yourself and, you know, whether people are ready to invest in you or not, you've always been able to invest in yourself and your growth and what you're doing, which I think has helped so much with, getting that confidence. And like you said, getting in a lot of those reps where you lose a client, you gain a client, um, and you learn to have like less attachment around that. Because as you grow in business, you're able to get to a point of saying, well, actually, like my time is more valuable than making a deal. Or I can be able to, I will make that money somewhere else. And that's okay. But you've acquired a lot of that growth mindset in business by investing in yourself. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I decided that the lockdown in 2020 was not going to be the demise of my success, like I just said, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. And I kept hearing these like different podcasts and business coaches going, if you can make your business successful during COVID, you will forever be successful. And I just kept replaying that in my head. And I was like, where can I invest in myself right now? Even though I have less clients, I now don't have this $700 a month rent payment for my personal training dues. So where can I put that $700 a month? Because I was already used to paying that. So I started investing that um, in my software that we talked about earlier. But also, I hired my friend Omar because I knew that um, you know his business, he had a CrossFit gym and his CrossFit gym was shut down. I was like... I'm going to pay him for a photo shoot. So I invested in him. I paid you for that business coaching call, which is a big thing for me at the time. And it was like these started out really small with the investments in comparison to what I'm doing now. And then in, let's see, I think it was last year, I had $19,000 to my name. And I called my husband and I said, hey, I'm about to spend 10K on 90 days of business coaching. Are you cool with that? And I absolutely adore my husband because he has so much trust in me that if I say I it's a good idea and it's going to be for the, you know, longevity of my business, I promise I'm going to do something with it. He says, "Go for it, babe. I trust you." Like that trust from my husband to say, "Heck yeah, spend half the money we have. Just go for it." Um, so I, you know, I dumped half my bank account, my business bank account on, on a 90 day business course. Um, but every year since 2020, I've doubled my business. And so it is, you have to do something scary to get that return back to then build the self-trust to then do it again. And then you keep doing it. And then like, 
this past, let's see, right before the new year, I called him again and I said, Hey, this business coaching program I want to do is 25K. Are you cool with this? And he was like, That's a lot of money, babe. I was like, I know, but it's the right fit. Yeah. Trust me. He goes, You know, I trust you. If you think it's a good idea, do it. So I did it. It's like, there's, you have to trust yourself. You have to invest in yourself and you have to do something scary. Just like the jujitsu competition we were talking about, like all these different things that you do, whether it's a lot of money or putting yourself in a really uncomfortable position, you have to build that self-belief and self-trust. It's so true. I, I literally have written on my whiteboard, like I trust myself. Like I always trust myself to figure it out. I will figure it out. I, we get reps of that over time from starting over, moving from one state to another, to building a business, to scaling a business, to setbacks from COVID, to whatever life event and things happen, like ultimately we can trust ourselves to figure it out. And I think like that is a piece that we forget and that we overlook because there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of, but what about this? And what about that? And a lot of anxiety. And it's like, but when all of that, those noises, like when they quiet down, we know that we can trust ourselves, that we have proof that we have the reps that we figured it out before. And if you feel like, you know, this course or this investment in business or this program, this software is going to be the thing that actually ultimately helps you make more money or have more impact or have the time freedom that you're seeking. That's we have to trust that and trust that you're going to be able to figure it out and follow up on those kinds of investments. It's huge. And and I think there's two pieces there. So one, if you are consistently getting noise from someone, there are there are people in my family that I don't have business conversations with. Because whether it's the numbers that I'm discussing, 10,000, 25,000 on business coaching, they might drop dead if I said that to them. Yep. It is not worth me trying to justify my choices to them. Some conversations don't need to be had with everyone. And I think that there's a lot of people that feel the need, like they need to get approval from others before making a choice. And that's when we do have to just internalize and go, is this a good decision for me? Regardless of what anyone else says, I need to make a decision for me right now. Um, and then the other piece of it is not all your investments might work out. Right. So you have to be okay with finding a lesson in that. I spent uh, $3,000 on a software, um, like an onboarding for a software coach. And he and I were like oil and water. <laughs> he was arrogant. He did not listen. He was talk constantly talking over me. It was such a bad experience. And he was trying to get golden handcuffs on my website. And it was this whole thing. And so I had to walk away. There was no way I was getting that $3,000 back. But I learned a lot about um, like listening to my gut. There were some red flags, but I just needed the software. I just wanted to start. And I jumped in. I learned a hard lesson financially, but it was a good lesson in the end. So be open to the lessons if things don't always pan out. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be like that. Yeah, exactly. Learn how to take losses and how to celebrate the wins. And that's, I think, so many people that become entrepreneurs or especially like pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coaches, they've all experienced sport or fitness in some degree. And I think that all of this is so applicable to learning how to navigate business. Like, you know, like this is going to make me successful. This is the kind of training I need to do, the reps I need to get. And also like, it's not all linear and it's not going to be perfect all the time. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be losses that show up in a variety of ways. And also like, what are we working towards? Yeah, Having those goals, whether it's personal goals or business goals or impact goals, there's a lot that we can do with that. And you're such a great example of that. Thank you. I know my dog, the, someone rang the doorbell and he like losing his mind as y'all heard. So before we wrap up, you found jujitsu also. Yes. Tell me about that. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) jujitsu, I mean, I feel like we have such a similar story with this too. And well, there was a few reasons why I started. So my girlfriend, Christina, she was like, 
oh, girl, come on, you got to start this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this long trip coming up to Illinois, maybe when I get back. And then there was this instance where I was standing on the, I was waiting for my mom to pick me up outside this coffee shop that I work out of in Illinois. And this lady came up to me and clearly she had a screw loose, was on drugs, something was off about her. And she was coming towards me. And so I stepped up on the curb, up on the business like bricks. And instead of walking past, like I thought she was, she stood next to me, really like shoulder to shoulder. And I was like, okay, here we go. (laughs) And so I would like look down on my phone and then she looked down on her phone. And then I did something and she was like mocking me. And she was like kind of talking to herself. She was tweaking out. And I was like, this is not good. And so I'm thinking in my head, okay, if she attacks me, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I had nothing. I absolutely had zero clue what I was going to do. And so you run through these scenarios in your head. Unfortunately, nothing happened. However, I found out later that same woman attacked two ladies coming out of the courthouse a few doors down, like within 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So she was looking for trouble, just not with me that day. So as soon as I got back, I joined. And what I loved the most about it, aside from the self-defense piece, was that, like you, Bree, I knew nothing. And so I had to be a complete dry sponge, just ready to absorb all of the information. I could truly be a student because after doing fitness for so long, I could walk into any Zumba class, fitness class, weights, this, that, and be probably one of the better athletes in the class. This, yes, while being an athlete is helpful, it doesn't mean shit. (laughs) Like, you know nothing. And so I loved that. Um, It is so empowering. I've never been, like, in more pain for – I was probably in, like, constant pain for the first three months. And I think that probably deters a lot of people, but I knew that just like, I'll never forget my first week of CrossFit. I was miserable. Everything hurt. Everything hurt from jujitsu for about three months until I learned how to relax a bit. I remember that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I was so tense and covered in bruises and I just felt, ah, and now it's so funny. Like, even though I'm still very new, I just had my six month mark But even like the one to three month mark white belt guys that I roll with, I'm like, I'm, I can feel my legs relaxed and they're like shaking tense. And I, I know how I felt and I find myself like audibly breathing, like hoping to like pick up on my vibe to like relax a little bit. But, um, it's amazing. I started it, um, myself and my two boys. And the, the best part was my husband was so anti, he was like, I'm 40 years old. I'm not starting a new sport now. Those days are over. And we kind of had a spicy conversation this day. I was like, don't you want to get better? Don't you want to do hard things? Like I had an emotional outburst and then I let it, let it die. And then he goes, you know what? I'm not going to have my wife and my kids show up to practice. And then I walk in and I'm like this big ass fit dude and I'm not doing it. I have no good reason. So we kind of peer pressured him, but we both just had our first competition over the weekend and it was a blast. So awesome. Well, welcome to the other side of being a jujitsu family. Um, It took me a long time to join. Jared has been doing it for years. He's going to be getting a black belt soon and I uh it's just crazy that like it was on the radar but I feel like you have to be at a place where you're mentally ready to be a beginner where you are okay sucking like that's what it took me that's why I never joined before I was like not in a place plus pregnancy postpartum all what of those seasons but to truly be at a place of having the willingness to be a beginner and to like not have the pressure that we put on ourselves to be good or the best one in the room like there is no pressure to, to do that. And I think that's so freeing for a lot of us athlete brain, high achieving, want to be good at everything, um, to go in and be freaking humbled. Like that has been a consistent lesson I've seen people like us really benefit from. It's huge. It's so impactful. I had to be okay and in a place where I was also willing to sacrifice or 
look at my own training a little bit differently as well. Mm-hmm. Like my percentages on my weights, the, the weights that I was lifting, the intensity, the output, the program structure had to shift for me too. Yeah. And before I was, you know, so regimented with needing to consistently get stronger or hit these percentages and just understand that like I'm training different muscles, I'm training in a different way, my recovery looks different. I've lost a little bit of muscle. I've lost some weight that I wasn't planning on losing. And so, but I'm in a place where I'm a little bit more go with the flow, literally. Um, And just being okay with things looking a little bit differently in this season right now. And, and just look, but you're right. Like you have to have the the mental capacity and then also the the time capacity for it. Right. But I think like we're both in that season of, showing what it quite literally looks like to pursue a lifetime of athleticism. This wasn't on our radar when we were pregnant or new moms first time or second time. And I never thought I would be doing anything outside of like my normal training because it had been such a, you know, cornerstone, but now that's my lifting and that stuff complements jujitsu. And it doesn't have to be this rigid system that we were sort of brought up in and invested in with our percentages or our, we do this on Mondays and this, like I still have structure, but there's just a lot more freedom in what we're able to do when we are open to doing something new. It's awesome. Yeah. I had a, I had a little mental moment over the weekend. I was wondering why I was having such a hard time with this competition. And I realized that I had no longer identified as a competitor. Like I've so honed in on this coach and mentor and I'm like, I picture the, who is it that has like the dress with all the kids underneath? (laughs) Like I picture that as me, but like coach and I just want to like build everyone up. And so I, I kind of removed myself from the identity of competitor. And then I was like, no, I can do both. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of beautiful lessons that, that I can pull from this competition and whether I turn it into a mindset piece or setting an example for my kids of how to win and lose, like all these different layers can come of it. So I don't have to, you know, remove the identity of one, like I can be both. And so I had to just accept that. Yeah. I felt exactly the same way. It's like, oh, this pressure and like, but pressure from who? Like no one cares. No one thinks like I'm supposed to do any certain thing out there. It's just a matter of like quite literally getting yourself back into the arena and doing something that is new. It's not like competing in CrossFit or triathlons or any of our team sports that we may have done growing up. You're literally fighting somebody. It is a whole different piece of your brain that has to be in a very interesting place. So you have to also be at a place in your own athletic maturity where you're able to accept that and not have it turn toxic or create all these narratives about like who you are as an athlete or whatnot, because we're not washed up. Your athleticism does not end when motherhood begins. I think we're both in our mid thirties, like shit's not over. It's just getting started. Like we're just discovering something new. And I think that there's so much messaging around, oh, it's just different. Just you wait till you have kids or just you wait till you're in your, like your thirties or your forties or whatever it might be. And it's like, no, man, it doesn't, it might be different. Sure. It's held different for me, but it's also like better. Yeah. I truly believe like the best is yet to come. Like for myself, you know, my husband just turned 40 and like, he is in the best shape of his life and he's only getting in better shape. And it's like, you know, more who you are. And when you can just really be confident in that, go all in on yourself. Like the best is truly yet to come. Like I, I'm loving getting older because every year I'm like just more, you know, confident and wiser and connected with my people. Yeah. Well, exactly. I think it's been awesome to see your evolution as a coach, woman, athlete. I'm so grateful that we connected all those years ago. And thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm so grateful I curled your hair. I feel like that was you did. <laughs> that was the breakthrough. I was like, uh, yeah. I, I tell that story all the time. I'm like, you know what? Find your people and just offer, offer to do something for them, you know, yeah. and see where it goes. Oh, that's so funny. I was in Vegas for an event and um, I was like, 
I think I asked you, like, do you have somebody who curl my hair? I, I lined it up and she bailed and I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm just so bad at that kind of stuff. Um, and I like needed to like look like I had my shit together. I mean, Christy just came over and uh, curled my hair for me. And it was it was awesome. Like our our little team, which has turned into a big team of PNPA coaches everywhere, just like they know how to show up. And I'm super grateful that we connected. And uh, it's awesome seeing you kick ass, like quite literally kick ass. You're doing it. Thank you. I appreciate you. You've been such a a foundational piece of this and, and mentoring me, whether or not, you know, you've been a huge mentor for me. You have been, I've, I've looked to you for a lot of different advice and help and I really value and appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. So, uh, across all social medias, I'm fit LV fitness and nutrition. Um, that's, really across everything, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is fitlvfitness.com and you'll, you'll see, see all the things. So please follow me and, and check us out. Sounds great. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Hey everyone. I wanted to let you know that enrollment for my coaching certification program, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism opens soon. So if you are a coach, an athlete, a practitioner, somebody in the medical community who wants to change the game for pregnant and postpartum athletes, this is the certification course for you. Go ahead and get on the wait list for it. That's at www.briannabattles.com slash waitlist. I would love to have you join the team of international coaches that are truly making a difference in their online and local communities. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts, three to four workouts each week and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and postpartum athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.